On About Books, we delve into the latest news about the publishing industry with interesting insider interviews with publishing industry experts. We'll also give you updates on current nonfiction authors and books, the latest book reviews, and we'll talk about the current nonfiction books featured on C-SPAN's Book TV. And welcome to About Books. This is Book TV's program and podcast that looks at the business of publishing. Now, in just a few minutes, we'll talk to the author of one of the best-selling memoirs of all time. Mitch Album will be our guest to talk about the 25th anniversary of his book, Tuesdays with Maury. But first, here's a look at some stories from the publishing world. U.S. book sales ended this summer down 5% compared to last year. That's according to the publishing news site, Publishing Perspectives. But those numbers look much better when evaluated against pre-pandemic book sales. Compared to August of 2019, this year's sales were up 14%. So what is driving book sales today? Well, according to NPD BookScan, romance books are the leading growth category. Nearly 19 million units so far sold this year. BookScan traced the growth in romance sales to the viral phenomenon of book talk, in which users of the social media site TikTok promote their favorite books. Quote, it's clear that book talk is contributing to the most romance gains and helping to create a new romance fan base among young readers. That's according to BookScan. And in other book news, the Seattle Times recently took a look at how this year's record-breaking heat wave in the West impacted book readers. The Times reported that high temperatures in Seattle led to a rash of public library closures this summer. In all, there were more than 130 closures at Seattle Public Libraries due to excessive heat. That's more than twice the number of last year. Well, author Mitch Album first published his memoir, Tuesdays with Maury, 25 years ago. That was in 1997. The book subsequently spent 350-plus weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. That's over six years. It sold about 18 million copies, and it was recently reissued for the 25th anniversary. Author Mitch Album joins us now. So, Mitch Album, in the new afterwards for the 25th anniversary edition of Tuesdays with Maury, you write about the compulsion that you had to write this book. What was that compulsion? To share Maury's story with the world. I knew that what I was going through in that little office up in West Newton, Massachusetts, was just between he and I, but I recognized that a lot of what he was saying to me had resonance with a lot more people than just me. And I wanted I wanted to share it, but the truth was, uh, the reason behind Tuesdays with Maury was much, much more practical than that. Maury was in debt for his medical bills, and he didn't have a way to pay them. And I was desperate to try to find a way to help him. And so uh, I was the only way I could think of was to write a book. And uh, fortunately, we finally found one publisher after being turned down by many, many places, being told it was too boring, depressing. I was a sports writer. I didn't know how to write a book like that. Um, we finally found one publisher, Doubleday, who was willing to give us enough money to pay his bills. I gave all that money to Maury, and um, 
And that for me was sort of the end of Tuesdays with Maury, except there was still the writing of the book to be done. And it went on to become something quite, quite bigger than I ever could have imagined. Well, for those 18 million people, 18 million or so people have bought the book. For the people that didn't buy the book, who was Morris Schwartz? Morris Schwartz was a college professor at Brandeis University. And for purposes of the book, he was my favorite professor. I took uh, every class he offered over the course of four years. We ate lunch together. We walked around campus together, went to his home. Uh, he was really more like an uncle to me than, than a teacher. And then I graduated, went out into the world to pursue my ambitions and proceeded to forget to call him or write him or anything for 16 years until one night I happened to be flipping the remote control and uh, on the Nightline program with Ted Koppel did a double take because there on the screen was my old professor looking very thin and, and sickly. And that's how I found out that he had Lou Gehrig's disease and was dying from it and, and probably wouldn't be around for more than another six months or so. And I ended up um, calling him out of guilt and then visiting him out of guilt. And then one visit turned to another, 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 and pretty soon the guilt passed on to an education. And we ended up taking uh, one last class together in what was really important in life once you know you're going to die. And that's who Maury ended up uh, who he was before, and then how he became kind of the Maury of Tuesdays with Maury. After you got turned down by many publishers, before it was written, did it hurt your confidence about how well this book would do? I had no confidence. <laughs> I couldn't hurt it. I had no confidence that it was going to do anything whatsoever. Uh, my goal, as I say, was to pay his bills, and I had accomplished that. I was so green at writing a book like Tuesdays with Maury. I'd only written two books before, and they were both sports books. So I, all I thought was this, this was going to be a little deviation from my sports books. It would be a book that my family would read and, you know, a few people in Massachusetts where Maury lived, and that would probably be it. Um, you know, based on the reception that we got from the publishers who didn't want to publish it, um, I didn't have much confidence or expectation uh, of it being anything else. And I was planning on returning to my life as a sports writer, and, and that would be it. But um, as the expression goes, man plans, God laughs. And, and I think God was really laughing uh, in that particular time. Was there any connection to writing about sports in this book that, that, or, or your work as a sports writer that you could bring into this project? Only that I had learned as a sports writer how to listen. Uh, and, and, you know, Tuesdays with Maury is in, in, a, in a, an essential form a long interview. Uh, it's, it's, it's one Tuesday after another of me asking a lot of questions uh, of, of a man who was dying. And so I think to the, to the end that I had learned how to ask questions without being embarrassed and learn how to do a follow-up question and, and, and go after it. Yeah, it was helpful. But that's, that's more journalistic skills, I think, than necessarily sports writing skills. Uh, Maury didn't, wasn't very interested in sports, to be honest. I don't think in all the endless, endless hours we spent together, if we spent two minutes talking about the Red Sox, uh, sometimes he liked tennis. But other than that, there wasn't a lot of sports that crossed over into that experience. Now, Mitch Album, this was your first book at about age 39, 40. You've written some others subsequently. What are those? 
Yeah, well, uh, right. It came out when I was 39. Uh, and that was the last time, by the way, that I wrote a sports book was the one that came before Tuesdays with Maury. I've written nine other books since then. Uh, most of them novels, a couple of them nonfiction. The novels, really all of the books that have followed from The Five People You Meet in Heaven, For One More Day, Have a Little Faith, Finding Chica, The Magic Strings of Frankie Presto, all the way up to uh, the latest one, The Stranger in the Lifeboat. They are all in some way probably traceable back to my experience with Maury and talking about the things that really were universally important to human beings about finding meaning in their lives or, or the kind of essential ingredients of life once you, once you realize, really realize that your life is limited and you're not going to be here forever. Most of us know that intellectually. Very few of us accept that truly in our hearts until we're, we're suddenly given a diagnosis or we're, we're faced with a, an imminent death. So you could probably trace all those books in some way back to a lesson that I learned with Maury and, and each one kind of encapsulates some message. So the five people you meet in heaven was about how people matter and there's no such thing as a nobody and everybody counts. Um, for One More Day was a story about a guy who gets one, one day more with his mother who had died many years earlier. And that really speaks about the, the essence of the family uh, in a person's life, which is something that Maury and I spent a lot of time about. Um, you know, The Stranger in the Lifeboat is, is about, uh, well, it's about 10 castaways in a boat who are lost at sea and they find a man floating in the water and they pull him in and he claims to be God. And that's really a book about asking for help uh, and what happens when we get it in an unexpected place, which was really kind of what Tuesdays from Moria was about for me. And then I wrote a couple nonfiction books in there as well, which I think are almost directly traceable to my experience with Maury. So it's been a process ever since Tuesdays with Maury, each book a kind of evolution. But you can see a thread through them if you read them. And you can also see a faith, uh, spiritual connection in your books and in the charities that you currently head up. Well, I don't think you need faith necessarily to do charity work. Um, in my particular case, it, it's tied in. Uh, but that, too, uh, can be traced to a time when I was with Maury. And um, I remember people would come in and try to cheer him up. Uh, they'd tell funny stories, show him pictures. But after a couple of minutes, he'd end up asking them what's going on in their lives. And they'd start talking and he'd ask them more. And they'd start talking. Next thing you know, they were crying about their personal lives. And it was like a therapy session for them. And after they would go, I would ask Maury, I don't get it. You know, you're the one who's dying. You can't move. You need to be carried from place to place. Someone has to wipe your rear end when you go to the bathroom. Why don't you just take the sympathy, you know? And what are we so busy worrying about helping everybody who's coming through here? And he said, Mitch, why would I ever take from people like that? Taking just makes me feel like I'm dying. Giving makes me feel like I'm living. And... I never forgot that. It was a very profound sentence, I thought. And, and I, I have come to realize in the charity work that now dominates really most of my life, I have nine charity uh, operations that I run here in the city of Detroit. And then I have an orphanage that I operate in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, that I've been at for the last 12 years every month. Uh, I spend at least a week down there and, 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 and sometimes longer. And I do find that I am much more alive when I am giving like that, then when I'm doing things like this or, you know, things that are just for me, um, I just feel a sense of accomplishment and, and purpose and, a, and, a, and a, a spirit 
Um, and you can tie that to spirituality or faith or whatever, or you can just tie it to humanity. But I do believe that when you give, you are more alive than when you take. And, and I've been blessed to be able to find that out um, with a six dozen beautiful children down in Haiti and, 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 and the people that we work with uh, here in Detroit. From Tuesdays with Maury, ask me anything, Maury always said. So I wrote this list. Death, fear, aging, greed, marriage, family, society, forgiveness, a meaningful life. You were looking for clarity on those issues for Maury? I was looking for clarity on those issues for myself and knew that Maury probably could help me, um, if I'm being honest. You know, I think I probably presented it to him as these are topics that we should talk about, you know, because you want to talk about your life. But why those particular ones and why not other things? Well, because they were probably ones that mattered to me. Um, fortunately, I think they have proven to matter to other people as well, based on the number of people who have embraced and read Tuesdays with Maury. I want to talk about Maury's aphorisms, and you, you have a couple quotes in, in the book as well. Here's the first one, quote, the culture we have does not make people feel good about themselves. That was in 1997 that you wrote that. Yeah, uh, I, I would write it in capital letters in 2022. Uh, you look at what social media has done to our culture, particularly here in America, and recognize that that didn't even exist when Maury was talking about the culture not meeting our needs and not being kind. And and uh, now I think, you know, the distance, I believe Maury would just abhor social media, um, the, the distance that it puts between people, the artificial relationships, the likes and the clicks and the, you know, followers. Uh, Maury wasn't into having followers. He was into having friends and true friends and, and face-to-face friends. And, and uh, you know, that's why he wanted me to always come visit and not call on the phone. And, and I, I do think we have a culture that's very um, alienating and leaves a lot of people out and makes a lot of people feel lonely and lost. I think that's why you see some of the behaviors that you do uh, of, of, of people who just, they're lost and they take violent action some, in some ways just to be noticed. And I, I think Maury would have been very empathetic to that. And um, he also said as an adjunct to that particular aphorism, if you don't like the culture, don't buy it. You are not obligated to buy into the culture of the time. And I, I think that's good advice, even very good advice, especially today. One more aphorism from Professor Maury Schwartz. Devote yourself to creating something that gives you meaning and purpose. Yeah. A lot of people cling to that and, 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 and then they look at the work that they're doing and they feel like they're not getting that from the job that they have. And, and I, I've had many people who have written me or talked to me who read Tuesdays with Maury and that particular part of it and said, you know, I ended up changing my job. I ended up quitting the job I had and I did something else. I went back to teaching. I, I went to work, uh, you know, with a charity. I, I, I volunteered my time. Um, you know, I started back in music or art. Uh, I, I, I think Maury touched on something there that's at the essence of even what we're going through now with uh, quiet quitting, you know, and that, that uh, supposed development 
that's going on where people, which is just really people saying, hey, I'm not into the job that I'm doing. I want to devote my time to something that gives me meaning in my life. And, and uh, you know, I think deep in our souls, we, we all yearn for that. I've been really blessed to have been able to find it, um, mostly in the charity work I do and mostly with the kids I work with in Haiti who are, I mean, it's just like having a massive, massive family. But also in discussions like this and talking about Tuesdays with Maury or, 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 or my books, it's, it's a very, you know, you get to create something that people say inspires them or makes them think, and then you get to talk about it. Uh, it's a very satisfying uh, life for me. And I, so I find that particular aphorism to be very true. And you're still writing about sports as well. Yeah, in Detroit, um, we consider ourselves lifers here. And uh, <laughs> once you get on the Detroit Lions bandwagon, <laughs> You're never getting off. And uh, so I I don't write the way that I used to. I mean, there was a time back in time of Tuesdays with Maury. And before that, I wrote five, six columns a week about sports. I, I You know, if I write one, it's a lot now. And it's usually just when there's things going on. But the, the paper that I work for has been very kind to uh, uh, seek me to continue to do what I'm doing, even in small doses. And I'm very proud of the city I live in, and I and sports here in Detroit is a big part of of our. You know, we're we're not a we're not a Hollywood town. We're not a New York town. We don't have celebrities flying in left and right and moving here. But sports is a uh, is kind of something we all can can connect around. And so I, I appreciate the connection that it gives me to my community. And as long as they'll have me doing it, and I'm capable of doing it, I guess I'll continue. Mitch Album, how did you end up at Brandeis? Well, the uh, the joke answer of that is uh, my 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 dad said that if I left high school early, uh, he would get me a car. And so uh, I decided I would leave in 11th grade because I had enough credits because I was going to a private school and we were we were paying money for that. So we figured we'd just pay it for college. And um, so I went through the book, uh, the college book. I started looking for colleges and I got to. I got to Brandeis and University of Chicago. And uh, those are the ones I applied to because the ABC, you know, and I, I, I got, had to make a decision very quickly. And I got into Brandeis and I decided to go there. Um, and I never got the car, which is kind of neither here nor there, I guess. But uh, now looking back on it, I don't know why that didn't happen. Um, but I like Brandeis. And uh, of course, it ended up being a... Uh, you know, a blessing for me because I was able to meet Maury there and it ended up affecting my life in a way that I never knew it would all these years later. Well, selling a book, 18 million copies of a book, having it on the bestseller list for 350 weeks in a row, that's got to be a life-changing event besides just the the money that comes with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, but not maybe in the way that, that you're thinking uh first of all as i say i never expected the book to do a whole lot then one once it started to become popular well from a money point of view first of all i gave the money that we got for doing the book to to maury and uh when we started that's the advance money that you get for a book which is usually all that anybody ever makes off of a book when it started to sell the way that it didn't it was apparent that there was going to be more money than just the advance i went to charlotte maury's widow. And I said, well, you know, the deal was I was giving Maury the money for his bills. So I don't expect any money from this. Why don't you take all the money? And she said, no, 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 that's what, it's going to be too much money. I don't want all that money. And so in the end, we just ended up splitting it. And so to this day, Maury's family gets half of all the money from 
Tuesdays with Maury, and the part that I get, part of it goes into a charitable foundation. So it wasn't really about the money. I live in the exact same house that I lived in before, married to the same woman, pretty much driving the same cars. Uh, I'm not a, a very material-oriented person, but I will tell you how it did change my life um, dramatically, and that is that before Tuesdays with Maury, uh, strangers who would meet me would know me from television, from ESPN and sports and things like that, and they would just ask me sports questions, perfunctory questions in an airport where they would say, you know, hey, sports guy, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl? And, and I'd say, the Patriots, and I would keep going up the escalator. And then after Tuesdays with Maury, um, people would recognize me from Tuesdays with Maury and interviews that I'd given about that. And they would say, stop me and they would say, hey, my mother died of cancer. And the last thing we did was read your book together. Can I talk to you about her? And you can't just say Patriots and keep going up the elevator. You, you, you have to stop and you have to listen. And I have stopped and listened hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of times. And, and it has changed me as it should change anybody. Uh, to realize the grief that people uh, are burdened with, even when you're walking past them in an airport and you wouldn't otherwise know it, and to how how many sad stories people are carrying around, how 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 even in a crowd of cheering people in a, in a sporting event, so many of them are, are 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 dealing with somebody who's sick at home or a recent loss or whatever, and and I became uh, you know uh, acclimated to that and and almost you know sensitized to it in a way that I never had been. And that informed the kind of writing I started to do going forward. As I say, I never wrote another sports book because it just didn't interest me the way, and I wasn't talking about sports uh, in my free time the way that I was about these other things, about human emotions and loss and grief and, 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 and how, to, how to squeeze you know, the best part of life into your, into your living active days before you go. So it changed the way that the world reacted to me and that changed the way that I reacted to the world. There's a second narrative in this book, and that's about your brother, Peter. Yeah, my, my, at the time, remember, the two sisters more, he's 25 years old. <clears throat> at the time, my brother was dealing with a lot, uh, uh, dealing with a disease uh, that threatened his life. And uh, we had kind of lost touch with one another. Um, he had been angry at me over different things, whatever. But through the uh, experience of Tuesdays with Maury, we were able to uh, reconnect. I'm very happy to say that my brother is, is still here with us, doing quite well now, and uh, and uh, we have a great relationship. And uh, I'm, I'm really, 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 really grateful uh, about that. I think I dedicated, if I remember correctly, the book to my brother, even even though he didn't hadn't read it. Um, because I said he was the bravest person that I knew, and uh, and that's still still the case. Mitch Album, one of the things you talk about when it comes to Maury Schwartz, besides him being a college professor, is that he was a dancer. Yeah, um, I don't know if there was a great dancer, but uh, <laughs> he loved he loved to dance, and um, I always thought that that kind of you know, there's a play of Tuesdays with Maury that uh, Jeffrey Hatcher, uh, the fine playwright, and I wrote 20 plus years ago now. Um, and and we began it with Maury dancing. And it ends with Maury dancing because it was so much um, emblematic of who Maury was that he was not self-conscious. Uh, in fact, in the 
in the play, it begins with the Mitch character saying, this is Maury doing, you know, the tango and he does whatever. And this is Maury doing some other dance and he does it. And then it's just him doing this kind of thing. And, and, and the Mitch character says, I, I don't know what this is. And, and that's kind of who, who Maury was, you know, he was uninhibited. Um, he didn't, he didn't worry about convention. He didn't worry about what society thought of him. He used to go to this thing on Wednesday nights in Harvard square called dance free, where he would, uh, you pay $5 and you go and you dance any kind of dance you want with anybody you want. And he would go and most everybody else there was college age. And he would go in his fifties and sixties with a towel around his neck. And he would dance with anybody who wanted to dance with him every which way. And I just love that, um, that uninhibited joyous approach to life that, uh, you know, you could just be free that way. And, and, uh, when I asked him once if he would, what his perfect day would be, you know, if he could have one healthy day, which of course he was never going to have again. And he walked me through the day and it was a very ordinary day of, of just meeting with friends and having lovely meals and going for walks, but it ended with dancing. And, um, you know, I like to think that wherever he is now, he's, he's doing plenty of dancing, even as we speak. Well, 25 years later, Tuesdays with Maury has a new edition out. The subtitle, by the way, is An Old Man, A Young Man, and Life's Greatest Lesson. Mr. Album, this was 25 years ago, so that puts you into the other category now, doesn't it, as the old man? Yeah, I find, you know, a lot of people uh, are, are, are getting this 25th edition because uh, it has an extra chapter in it and all. And, and what I find that's interesting as they write me and, and talk to me is that they say, you know, I remember reading this when I was in high school or uh, I was in college, I was younger, and, I, and now I'm reading it a whole different way, you know, and I say I know exactly what you feel uh, because when I wrote it, I wrote it from the perspective of a 37-year-old whose career was, you know, just kind of hitting stride and all the years were ahead and just getting married and just starting all that and wondering all these questions, and now I'm way closer to Maury's age than I was, than I am to the age that I, that I was at the time. And Maury's comments and Maury's answers to me um, make more sense to me than some of the questions that I asked back then. And I think that, that, that a lot of people who are rereading this book are finding themselves on that timeline closer to the teacher than the student. Uh, but that's, that's, the, that's the passages of, of life isn't it? You know, that that's what we go through. And uh, I should only be one tenth as as good a teacher as, as Maury was, you know, and, and, and have one tenth of the answers. That would be uh, that would be amazing. And so I strive to keep trying to do that. And um, and I, I hope I can live as graciously in my older years as, as Maury did. Mitch Album, thank you for your time. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks. And you're watching the About Books program and podcast produced by C-SPAN's Book TV. Well, it's on Tuesdays that books are usually published. Here are some recent ones that deal with American culture, politics, and those in the public eye. Journalist Andrew Kurtzman is out with his new book on the life and career of former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani. It's called Giuliani, The Rise and Tragic Fall of America's Mayor. And Vivek Ramaswamy, the New York Times bestselling author of Woke, Inc., has a new book out. It looks at the state of American society. It's called Nation of Victims, Identity Politics, The Death of Merit, and The Path Back to Excellence. NPR legal affairs correspondent Nina Totenberg released her memoir, Dinners with Ruth. 
It focuses on her friendship of over 50 years with the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And New Yorker war correspondent Luke Mogelson has a new book out. It's called The Storm is Here, an American Crucible. In it, he tracks the rise of right-wing extremism and his experience on January 6, 2021 at the U.S. Capitol. Well, along with newly released books, we like to share some of the recent reviews of books that come out in National Publications Weekly. Agent Josephine chronicles entertainer Josephine Baker's time as an anti-Nazi spy in pre-World War II Paris. Although many books and movies have chronicled the career of the Chanteuse and her self-exile to France, British journalist Damien Lewis looks at her time as a spy during the World War II era. According to The New Yorker, Ms. Baker exploited her Italian and Japanese contacts for any useful information they might let slip. She transported aid to refugees by using her flying skills, and she hid resistance groups in her country house. The New York Times book review recently reviewed author Max Fisher's latest, The Chaos Machine, the inside story of how social media rewired our minds and our world calling it, quote, authoritative and devastating. Reviewer Tamson Shaw says that the author discovers insights about social media platforms and the mysterious algorithms which govern them that will fascinate readers. And in the National Review, former Fox News political director Chris Steyerwalt's latest book, Broken News, is assessed. The National Review says that, quote, Fox is not dedicated to the GOP's success, just as MSNBC is not dedicated to the success of the Democrats. They're dedicated to their bottom lines. Now, Mr. Steyerwalt recently appeared on Book TV's Afterwards program, which you can watch anytime online at booktv.org. Well, thanks for joining us for About Books, a program and podcast produced by C-SPAN's Book TV. Book TV will continue to bring you publishing news and author interviews, which you can always watch online at booktv.org.